And so the lean startup technique is to just get it out there as fast as possible, see what the feedback is, and then slowly make pivots and tweaks over time. And so um, one of our products, it's like the first time I, got, I get it from AliExpress, it has no logo on it. And then the second time I order it from Alibaba, it has a logo on it. And then the third time I get packaging with the logo on it. And then the fourth time, now I got it so they're going to label it correctly and polybag it and send it directly from their um, their warehouse to Amazon opposed to their warehouse to a pre-fulfillment center. Welcome to the 2X e-commerce podcast show, where we interview founders of fast-growing seven- and eight-figure e-commerce businesses and e-commerce experts. They'll tell their stories, share how they 2X their businesses, and inspire you to take action in your own online retail business today. And now, here he is, the man in the mix, Kunle Campbell. This episode is brought to you by Remarkety. Remarkety is an email marketing platform specifically built for e-commerce businesses. With Remarkety, emails are automatically triggered by shopper behavior and purchase history. With a few simple clicks, Remarkety allows you to recover abandoned carts, win back inactive customers, make product recommendations, deliver newsletters, and a whole lot more. In other words, emails you will send through Remarkety will be highly targeted with glaring improvements on your open rates, click rates, and most importantly, conversions. You're also able to track revenue generated from every single email sent by Remarkety. Try Remarkety absolutely free for 30 days, no credit cards, and no contracts. To sweeten the deal, 2x e-commerce listeners can get Remarkety for 30% off an entire year using the coupon code PODCAST30. That is coupon code PODCAST30. Visit Remarkety.com to learn more. Remarkety is email marketing for e-commerce simplified. Welcome to today's show. Before I kick off the show today, I'd like to give a shout out to my audio production team, Quarter After Productions. It's run by a chap called Mike and his team. They do a fantastic job on each episode of the 2X e-commerce podcast show. I pretty much just have to hit record, save my shows to Dropbox, and they take care of all the technical aspects of the show. So even when my audio quality is poor, as in when I record in like echoey rooms, Mike and his team try and bring it up to spec so you guys hear crispy, clean episodes. So if you're into podcasting or just looking for, you know, a reliable audio post-production, just head over to quarterafterproductions.com. I'd link it, I'll link to, to, to them in the show notes. Next, I'm gone for 50 reviews on the iTunes US store and 30 reviews on the iTunes UK store. The last time I checked, I only had about 12 reviews in the UK. You guys need to be more generous in the UK and 27 reviews in, in iTunes US. You guys are more generous. Um, to, to not you guys to, 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 to give me more reviews, please, I need it to, to go up the rank. Um, up in, on both iTunes stores. Um, I'll be running a sweep stake contest the moment I hit these targets. So um, and if, if the moment I hit 50 reviews in the US, I'll run a quick stake for all the people who have re- re- given reviews. And I'll be given a $50 Amazon voucher to, to whoever I choose a, a random. And um, if um, you're, you're based in the UK and I hit my 30, then I'll, I'll, I'll run another sweepstake for a £50 um, prize. So please, um, if you can, you know, drop me a review. 
I'd be very very much appreciative of that um and if you really enjoy this show genuinely i don't even need to give you a, a, um, a voucher to, to you know i don't need to run a contest but please if if you enjoy this show um, i really appreciate if you can leave me um uh, a review um i think on a final note i am thinking about um setting up a facebook group um where we get in and what i'll do in the facebook group it would be more or less a question and answer if you guys have any questions i'll, I'll send more more details in, in upcoming shows but if you have any 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 questions um in regards to e-commerce in general anything in e-commerce um just leave questions in the facebook group uh, i would I'm, I'm thinking about it anyway it'd be more like a, a community really where we just hang out um not just doing anything but it'd be more or less um we um questions are asked links are shared questions must especially asked and you know other other members of the community um helping to to give their their, their advice or answer questions what i'll do initially um or what i'm planning to do initially would be to answer questions myself as a community's one as it begins to grow you know other people to emerge who would start to help other people out um yeah, and I'm hoping it'll be a good mix of um, e-commerce managers, um, e-commerce entrepreneurs um, themselves, um, and um, experts, you know, um, experts in various fields of e-commerce, um, be it um, fulfillment, um, be it branding, be it, you know, marketing, the whole, you know, um, spectrum. Hi guys, um, this is the main show and um, my guest on today's show is Will Turnlord. Will and his brother, Andrew, sold in 2014 $6 million worth of products on Amazon. Now, prior to 2014 and 2013, they did $1.2 million. So they did five times more in 2014 than they did in 2015. But um, in 2012, when the business started, um, in that year, that financial year, they did 350000 worth of um, goods. So they pretty much... Um, Increased their business by about five times in in year one from 2012 to 2013, and then um, another five times. They grouped five x again in um, 2013 to, to 2014. Now, all of this was quite stressful for Will. He had just graduated from university, and um, he he it was quite a lot because it was a two man business basically. Him and his brother doing this much revenue, so he decided to take um, a back seat pull out of the business and pretty much start to travel, you know, have a location, just try try for location independence and explore the world. So he said, okay, I still understand what Amazon is all about, but I'm not going to take the whole buy, you know, um, from supplier approach, you know, the whole batch approach, um, more or less. I'm going to go for a more lean approach to, towards Amazon. And he was, um, no more, no longer looking towards um, more industrial products, more or less. What what his 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 family business was doing, and he was going more for consumer products, and he pretty much was able to to build out a business in a few months, a lean startup Amazon business, which he's going to talk more about um, as a private label seller. Um, so he's, he's buying from, from Alibaba or AliExpress, um, branding his products from China to sell on Amazon.com. Um, 
he has quite a fascinating story um, to, to to share, and his approach and philosophy generally to 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 selling is it's it's not textbook at all. It's it's more or less um, sell, learn, sell, learn, sell, learn, sell, profits. You know, so he he learns a lot. He takes very small small. Um, he he runs very small experiments, and if um, he gets good feedback, he invests more, and then he expands and expands, and he's he's managed to build um, a substantial portfolio of um, of products in his private label, you know, Amazon business. So um, I guess now will be time to to introduce Will. Um, without further ado, I'd like to welcome you, Will. Turn on to the show. Welcome to the show, Will. Hi, I'm uh, Will Turnland. I've been selling online now on Amazon and other various channels full-time for three years now. I've been selling part-time for much longer than that. I um, started out full-time selling with my brother, selling millions of dollars on Amazon over the course of 2013 and 2014. And now I have built a location-independent Amazon FBA business um, for myself and been running that now for the last seven months or so. Okay, let's talk. Um, about your FBA business um, because I read a number of articles and what you've done in three years has been just amazing. Um, So you've done $6 million worth of products on Amazon.com and then another million dollars worth of sales on eBay and then half a million through your e-commerce business. Um, Are these figures gross sales Inclusive yeah. of like your seller fees and your FBA fees. Yeah, this is just like um, total like revenue for the month. It's not profit. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. It, it is still crazy. Seven point five million dollars online in three years. Okay. Um, then another thing I, I checked out was um, the fact that in two thousand and thirteen. Okay, let, let's talk about your revenues. Okay, so your first year. So you've been we're in twenty fifteen now. And taking it three years, that's 2012. You probably started in 2012. What were your revenues in 2012? So it's, it's, uh, I don't know the exact numbers for you mm. because my brother had already kind of started himself going full-time at okay. that point. Okay. And so I couldn't tell you the exact numbers for 2012, but I think um, like I, was on, I wasn't there the full 2012, but I think 2012 maybe ended up with like $350,000 in total sales or something okay. like that. Okay. So it was like still a sizable amount, but it wasn't nearly what we grew it to. And then I think this is off the top of my head. I'd have to look up the numbers. Then I think we did about like for 2013, like 1.7 million dollars in sales. And then from there, we just took all of that cash and reinvested it, and basically paid ourselves peanuts to really um, take it to the next level for 2014. Two two takeaways from that: Um, one is paying yourself peanuts, which is fast, which is good, very, very good. You know, business practice, loving the business and not trying the business, not killing the gold, not killing the, the golden egg, um, the the golden the geese or the goose that lays golden egg. And then the second is five x. How how did you manage to to grow the business five x two years in a row? Normally there'd be some gravity. So you know, their businesses have grown ten x first year and they're not able to maintain that momentum. And you know, they just drop to five x and then three x and then that's it. So they they just trod along really they peak out or play well, I can, more or less I can definitely tell you that um, my brother's business is not going to go 5x for 2015 okay. um, that's that's for sure but at the same point um, we definitely cannot take all the credit for it 
Mm-hmm. Um, Amazon between 2012 to 2015 has become a whole different kind of monster mm-hmm. and their whole entire FBA and all that kind of stuff. And so it's kind of thing where like um, I've heard recent projections it's as close as the end of 2017, there could be 100 million Prime members. And there's currently um, 30 million Prime members in the United States. And Prime members buy twice as much stuff and their carts usually have um, twice as much value in them. Mm -hmm. And so from those numbers alone, it's like if your business just stays the same, it could triple by 2017 just because of the sheer volume of shoppers coming to Amazon. Those those are really fascinating stats. So, So that's like a quarter of the population by 2017 will be Prime members in the U.S., given that they're 400 million, you know, well, 400 million yep. um, people in the US. That That is fascinating. Okay, um, so you're a family business. Um, you run the business along with your brother, Andrew. Is, is that correct? Um, well, I, I currently do not work with him anymore. Okay. He, um, we quit working together full-time in May. Um, I kind of decided around January that I wasn't really liking um, kind of what I was doing with my life. He is um, – we're just completely different people where he um, just bought a house, just had a second kid. He's just very – he's six years older than me. He's just ready to kind of settle down and do that kind of thing, and I'm more of a wild child and traveling around the world doing this, doing that. And so I knew I needed to um, create my own Amazon business and make one that's location independent where I never touch the inventory or anything for me to have like a fulfilling life. Okay. So whereabouts are you now? Oh, currently at this moment I am in Minnesota, but I just got back like two and a half days ago from like a month over in Southeast Asia. Nice. So you're a Thailand location independent type person. Um, Yep. I was, yep. I was in Bangkok and then I was over in Hong Kong and China for all the different uh, trade shows and Canton Fair. Oh yeah. The Canton Fair just um, took place. Um, I just want to to put a cider here for for our listeners. Um, Some of the listeners would not know what FBA is. Some, some of you, it's just fulfilled by Amazon. It pretty much means that you give your entire inventory to Amazon to take care of and all you need to do is the markets in front and you could actually sell anywhere from your store from ebay and still have amazon you know sell fulfill for you so pretty much you know, that's another section of amazon's business they they're actually a fulfillment business also so fba is fulfilled by amazon okay now um let's talk about um so so what do you do now i'm um, so so what kind of stuff do you sell as compared to what to put um andrew sells because i believe you guys were like into um, fans or industrial equipment of sorts um, at the time. Um, so, so how? Yeah, he sells mostly. Um, at this moment, he sells like building materials and a lot of safety material, a lot, a lot of like different things like to keep you safe, and a lot of um, like construction type equipment and basically all like the unsexy larger products that no one else wants to sell. Mm-hmm. And um, that doesn't really lend to my kind of like location independent um, business and to mine's more of a um, cash flow business where I'm trying to get paid almost immediately opposed to just reinvesting over and over again for the sake of growth. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of my stuff is more kind of like trinkets and smaller products and more products that are um, like my brother sells needs, not wants, and I sell wants, not needs. Um, that's a good point. Um, let's flesh that out. Um, so, so needs pretty much. Um, my, you know, my fan in my radiator is broken. I need that, and um, I need to get it fixed, or else my my family will be caught. 
So I, I go to your Amazon store, your brother's Amazon store, and I buy stuff there, the spare parts there. But a want is, um, you know, um, I have extra cash, and you know, I want to look good. I'll buy a trinket from from your store. Is that kind of like what what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. It's okay. kind of thing where like my sales are going to go up during the Christmas season and my brother's sales are going to go down during the Christmas season gotcha. because everyone's kind of putting off all those like around the house projects or this or that because they got family coming in town. They're making dinner. They don't have time to work, worry about these little handyman things. Mm-hmm. Well, my, yeah, mine is the kind of thing where people just buy to buy. So like Christmas is like my best time of year. So yours is very emotional, emotionally driven. Yes. Right. Okay, cool, 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 cool. So how is your business doing at the minute? Um, I think as of right now, mm-hmm. um, I'd have to look at the numbers, but we're at like $14,000 for the month right now mm-hmm. in sales for, um, over the month of October. Mm-hmm. Um, and we started, I, it's, I work now with my best friend and we started from nothing with a brand new seller account in May. And so it's, um, it's doing pretty well. We just bought a bunch of new inventory that we're going to be testing over a few deals with different um, manufacturers and so it's um i'm really curious to see where we're going to be in the next three months because if all these different deals pay off we're going to be in a completely different place than where we are now absolutely and um you've got some you've got three years of experience to, to bring with you what about your friend um your co-founder does, does he have fba experience or i'm selling experience online or um, yeah, he's he's been selling online for a while too, and he um, was working in like the corporate world before this, so he kind of brings more of a um, analytical point of view okay. and a more kind of numbers cruncher point of view. And we've been best friends since we were both like eleven or twelve, so it's um, we've worked with each other for a while, and yeah, we both kind of have the same mindset and the same goals for our business, so we work re- really well together. Gotcha. So you're you're more the visionary, and he's he's more like the manager of the business. He's going to make sure the operations actually work, you know, um, as intended. Okay. All right. Cool. Um, let's talk about um, your your family. Your family is entrepreneurial, right? You come from an entrepreneurial family. Is, is that if, if your brother? Are there any apart from your brother? Are there any other you know entrepreneurs in your family? Um, I wouldn't really call it entrepreneurs. Um. Okay. My family owns, like my dad owns a, uh, like a 76-year-old manufacturing company, mm-hmm. but my great-grandpa started it. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if I'd really call that entrepreneurial because he kind of just, <laughs> yeah, they, he's, he's been working there like full-time since he was like 17 or something like that. So he's been there forever. And, but uh, yeah, my brother and I have always been um, starting weird businesses as a kid and like, uh, always doing like just random stuff when we were 12, 13, trying to make money on the side doing this, trying to make money on the side doing that. And so it's something that I don't, I, I got it from my brother, I assume, but I don't know where my brother got it from. <laughs> There's a sense of stewardship, you know, when, you know, family businesses are handed over to, you know, to the next generation. And, you know, the thing is, you're, you're not, um, your family's not reliant on, you know, corporations or things like that. You know, you're self sufficient, really, when you think about it. So I, I would consider you. Coming from an entrepreneurial family, um, if that's a go, right? Um, so let's let's go into your you know um, FBA the items you currently sell you know on FBA. So are, are all your items FBA or um, do you do retail arbitrage, which pretty much means you buy from a manufacturer and you sell their own brand? No, yeah, um, I do a little bit of well from what. 
the terms I usually use is, yeah, retail arbitrage is you're buying it from a retail store and then just selling it online for a bigger price. Uh-huh. Um, it's a little different from wholesaling okay. where you get like an actual contract with like a U.S. manufacturer and brand. Okay. And you, you become like an official distributor for them. It's a little different. You pay okay. differently, all that kind of stuff. But right. um, yeah, we have a couple deals with um, like official um, manufacturers of different U.S. brands and different like technology companies that are coming out. And then, but mostly uh, I would say... Like at, at this moment, 100% of our revenue, though, is coming from private label products that we uh, buy from China, kind of spruce up the packaging, put a brand and logo on it, and um, like jack up the price because of it. Mm-hmm. What's your philosophy um, on, um, I'm going to take out retail arbitrage, um, on wholesaling versus um, drop shipping versus um, private labeling? Where, where do you see, do, do, where, where do you see the 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 biggest um, growth leverage from from, a, from an e-commerce standpoint? Um, you can make a lot of money still drop shipping. People say you can't, but there's definitely money still to be made drop shipping, even drop shipping on Amazon. But um, the problem with drop shipping is that there's no barriers to entry. Mm-hmm. And so anyone can just come in there and just take your business out if they just get the same deal as you. And so that one um, is I don't really do much drop shipping just because, yeah, there's no barrier to entry. There's no r- way to really protect yourself because you don't need any cash up front. Mm-hmm. Um, the wholesale accounts can work really well if you work out a deal where you're the only um, distributor that's allowed to sell on Amazon. It's a thing where you kind of have to convince them that once you let anyone else sell on Amazon, they're going to have to lower the price a penny um, lower than mine to win the buy box mm-hmm. and then I'm going to have to lower my price a penny more and then we're going to get a race to the bottom mm-hmm. and that's going to screw over all of their different wholesale accounts and their different mom and pop and brick and mortar shops because we're going to be selling it at half the price we're supposed to on Amazon. Mm-hmm. And so that that can be very lucrative though if you can just work out a deal where you will keep their price high as long as you're the only manufacturer. Um, so that's a pretty good deal. And then uh, private labeling is the best of the three of them currently. Mm-hmm. Um, um, because it has the highest barriers entry, instead of just calling some manufacturer and saying, hey, I'd like to become a distributor, you actually have to do like negotiations with a supplier, say, over in China. You have to do design. You have to do packaging. And all those extra steps and hurdles that you jump over creating your private label products are just that many more hurdles that your competitors are going to have to jump over if they want to copy you and compete with you. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And, and you're a private label business. So, so how many items do you currently sell on your Amazon store? Um, right now, last time I checked, somewhere between like 25 and 30 different items. Wow. Are they all private label products? Yeah, they're all private label, but they're kind of um, – a lot of them you could consider like um, parent-child listings or like variations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it's like – it's 30 different SKUs, but some of them it's like one product that comes in four different colors and that kind of thing. Gotcha. 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 So you're giving them variety. Okay, okay. And um, do you currently run a single Amazon store or multiple Amazon stores? And what, what are your thoughts on your single versus uh, multiple stores? Um, I, yeah, I just currently run a single Amazon store. Mm-hmm. The multiple Amazon stores maybe makes more sense if you're going to be doing like weird stuff tax-wise. Like you have Nexus in a different state for that one. Mm-hmm. Or if you're planning on selling your company down the road, that can make it a lot easier if you're split between your different niches. But um. Some people are worried about having the same Amazon store um, sell a bunch of different types of products and niches, mm-hmm. and they're worried that like, the customers going to get confused. But uh, I don't. I think that's a fallacy. I think that ninety nine percent of people buying on Amazon think they're buying from Amazon, 
And I don't think they click on the seller and then see what the seller else is selling and then go, well, this guy's not trustworthy because he sells hairbrushes and swimsuits. I don't think that's something that anyone really cares about. Okay, right. And um, in your your store, your PLA store, um, well, private label store, sorry, um, are... Do they go under a single brand? So are you sort of building out a brand at the moment or um, are you, do you, have you launched several brands? Yeah, it's, I would say I maybe have five different brands right now. Okay. Um, every different niche is um, a different brand. So we sell a bunch of like say coffee stuff that's gonna be under one brand. We sell a bunch of fashion stuff that's gonna be under a different brand. And so like that kind of, it's like things like, Common products go under uh, the same niche and then the same private label brand. Okay, right. Um, I'm going to credit the scale um, achieved in the previous Amazon business you were involved with your brother to a lot of it, you know, due to you, you know, coming in because you <laughs> you were that X factor, you know, in 2013 and 2014. Okay. Um, you know, you, you did say you know, part of it had to do with you know the trajectory to, towards you know, Amazon is going. You know. um, now, from a scale standpoint in, in an FBA business, what is your philosophy in scale? Huh? And my my question really has to do with this new business you're you're launching. You've launched since since, since May. Um, how? What's your take and what's your approach on scaling and how to scale you know, a, a, a new um, Amazon FBA business? Um, well, the main difference mm-hmm. is um, between my new business and my old business is my um, thought process when it comes to getting cash back in your pocket and um, getting your capital returned as fast as possible and flipping your products as fast as possible. It's um, the kind of thing where... My brother and I would do a $500,000 minimum order quantity with some suppliers because they would sell enough different random products and we could get such a good price on it that we knew like eventually everything would sell. Mm. But now I'm much more um, conscious of how fast things sell and how fast I can get the cash back in my pocket. And so instead of like my brother and I could easily have a million dollars in inventory at Amazon at any time, where now I've learned my lesson and know that I need to manage my cash and capital a lot better. So I only have, say, maybe $200,000 in inventory at any time. And then I have an extra $800,000 liquid to reinvest in new products and try new products, opposed to sitting there and um, kind of playing this weird cash flow game. Okay, so, so that makes a lot of sense. And that ties into to my next question. It has to do with the amount of cash um, realistically um, visible to, to start a, an, an FBA business, a private label FBA business. What, what, you know, realistically without you know, wasting time or you know, shuffling your feet in today's world, in 2015, November of 2015, going into 2016, if um, a listener is an entrepreneur looking to get into FBA private labeling, how much cash realistically should they have working capital? Um, should they invest into a PLA you know, business? Um, well, it's going to sound maybe cheesy, but it's mm-hmm. literally time is money. And so the thing is, people will just waste so much time when it's just such a such a um, waste of resources. Where my very first, when I started on my own, 
um, again, my very first product was a pair of marijuana growing sunglasses. Okay. And so there's sunglasses that you wear when you're growing marijuana indoors okay. all day. And I got 20 pairs of them with cases from AliExpress for, I think it was, yeah, it was like $70 for 20 pairs. Okay. And I flipped those 20 pairs in two weeks and made $400 cash profit. Okay, makes sense. And so that's the kind of thing where it's profit, like... Profit, not, not revenue, yeah, profit. Yeah, profit. Okay, right. And okay. so it, in two weeks. And so that's the kind of thing where I just saw a product that looked like there might be an opportunity and it would look like pretty low competition. And like 20 pairs in two weeks isn't anything to call home about, but 400 bucks in two weeks is not too bad. Mm-hmm. And so it's the kind of thing where people just need to manage their expectations. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to go in to the Amazon FBA business and you go, I want to make a million dollars this first year. And it's like, well, I hope you have a half million dollars in cash because that's what you're going to need kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But if you're saying, I want to make $2,000 a month consistently starting four months from now, it's like, that is a very realistic goal. That's mm-hmm. something you could get started with maybe only two grand. Mm-hmm. And then just slowly build your way up. You buy two, you buy $600 worth of three different products. You see which ones work. Two of them work. One of them doesn't. Liquidate the one, double down on the next two, and then start working on a private label brand. By the time you start working on a private label brand from flipping those samples over and over again, maybe three months has passed and you got a couple winners that are making, yeah, 1500 bucks each in profit a month. And it's like from there, it's like, ah, three grand a month, that's been profit. That's a pretty decent business already. Because mm-hmm. you add a zero to, to that 20, to, to um, your initial $20, and it's $200, that's already four grand. Um, four grand dollars there how do you learn fba you know um where where do you where, so for listeners where, where do they learn to to be fba sellers or you know pro amazon sellers or resources um i don't really focus on any fba resources so much or any like amazon um blogs or anything like that um a lot of the amazon um community and the amazon sellers live in a giant echo chamber where everyone kind of just repeats the same stuff over and over again and no one really thinks outside the box ever mm-hmm. and so it's kind of thing where they always say these like strict rules where it has to be this size has to sell for this much fba products also should be this ranking on amazon bestseller ranking or whatever and it's kind of thing where I just try to learn as much about business in general and apply outside concepts to Amazon that people aren't doing yet. And that seems to be a lot more successful than just following the crowd. My question really had to do, and my next question has to do with product selection. Um, as you just alluded to, there are loads and loads of resources out there that tell you, you know, um, that uh, select a product based on a bestseller rack, um, look, use a certain tool to you know, um, check the, the rankings and the you know, earning potential you know, on, on a listing. How do you, you know, what's your approach to selecting a product? Do, do you look at it from a market perspective, from a, I could use this perspective? How do you assess demand? How do you just go in and, you know, hop onto Alibaba and then, you know, buy that product. What, what, what is, how do you sort of assess um, a product or a market in Amazon? Um, and um, what have been your successes off the back of your approach? Um, so I have 
pretty strong confidence now that everything sells on Amazon. And it basically comes down to just two things. Whenever anyone tells me their product's not selling on Amazon, it basically only comes down to two things. It's the first thing is you need to get your product in front of the customer. And the second thing is you need to give the customer a reason to buy once they see your product. Mm -hmm. And so the main thing that people have a lot of trouble with trouble with is um, getting people to see their product in the first place. And so I only source products for the most part where I can get on the first page almost immediately because there's such low competition or there's no ads at all for that product or the keyword that I'm targeting. And so I know I can get on the first page pretty cheap through Amazon PPC. And so that's how I get my product in front of the customer. And then the second golden rule is giving your customer a reason to buy your products specifically. And so say you're selling a dog leash and there's a million different dog leashes on page one. Somehow you can get on page one. Um, If everyone's dog leash is either black, red, or blue, sell one that's pink. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Give, give it, so Because people shop with their eyes. They don't do a lot of reading on Amazon. Sure. And so they're going to type in dog leash and they're going to scroll up and down. And they see a pink one, it might catch their eye and it might click on it. And then from there, that's half the battle already. And so it's like you just got to give the customer a reason to buy once they've actually seen your product. But um, to go back on my first one, it's if I'm going after low competition niches and I'm just trying to get the customer to see my product, I wouldn't sell something that like a dog leash because I'm going to be on page 1000 when I throw up my listing. I would sell something maybe like a seeing eye dog leash or something like a dog leash for hunting dogs that's like reflective and camo camouflage. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's like you go one more niche down, a niche within a niche, and then you sit there and you go seeing eye dog leash and I'm the very first one you find because no one else is going after that niche yet. And yeah, I may only sell three to four leashes a day, but if I'm making 10 bucks a leash, it's like, that's a pretty good product right off the bat. Okay. Let, let's, uh, that, that's a double barrel, you know, answer. One is um, about the, the, the niches, you know, just chasing low competition niches to, to get in front of your customers. And the second is, you know, being different, you know, how different are you? Um, I come from an SEO background, and um, one key thing, one key advantage in, in SEO and AdWords is you have um, you can reverse engineer demand by um, researching keywords. Um, in in Amazon, um, I would presume you know, um, given the fact, uh, given the volume of, of search, of keyword search going on on Amazon, how do you sort of um, find out um, you know these? Um, low competition niches but still generating search you know so you could that just give you the reassurance that um, you know you're, you're on you know the, the, the right path to, to towards um, product selection um I basically have zero reassurance ahead of time that there's going to be traffic and there's going to be sales that's why I usually start off on AliExpress not Alibaba so I can just get 20 samples with one click, get them to my house within seven days, get them in stock within three to four days at Amazon. And I know within 10 days if there's sales volume or not. And worst case scenario, I just sell them on eBay at break even cost and just liquidate them and move on to the next product. And so um, the kind of thing is, the thing is Amazon, their like biggest protected secret is like search volume and sales volume of their products. That's like their like the thing that they're guarding from everyone. And so if you are trying to use different like third-party softwares, you just have to always kind of realize that they're not 100% accurate. Mm -hmm. And it's just unfortunate that I see all the time someone will spend, say, 
three months doing research using all these different softwares, using inaccurate data, and they get stuck in uh, analysis paralysis. And then that goes, and then they go and try to launch a product, and it doesn't sell. Mm-hmm. And it, again, I come back to, and then they come to me asking what the deal is, and I go, "Well, does it does it fit the two golden rules? Did you get did you get the product in front of the customer? And then once you did, did why would they buy yours over everyone else's? Mm-hmm. Is is your price different? Is your quality different? Do you have actual branding? Do you have something different? Like, what well, you got to stand out for some way. And so it's kind of thing. It always just comes down to those two things. And so it's if I can conquer those two things, I don't really worry about the rest. Okay, all right, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I have another question, a follow-up question, if you don't mind. Um, you mentioned AliExpress. Um, AliExpress is the um, well, the baby version of Alibaba, where you could—it's almost like an Amazon for, for Alibaba. Is that is that right? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's basically kind of like um, there's a lot of Alibaba suppliers on there, mm-hmm. and it's kind of just like a sample showroom okay. for Alibaba, where it's um, you're gonna. It, everything says it has free shipping, but you're kind of just paying inf- inflated costs for the products to get the free shipping. And it's um, just a very quick way to test your products where I got those uh, marijuana growing sunglasses off AliExpress. Mm-hmm. And instead of having to deal with negotiations with, I don't, I don't know how it is with you over in the uh, UK, mm-hmm. but um, when you email a supplier saying, hey, I'm interested in your product, I would love to get a sample. They email you back the next day because of time zone change saying, Absolutely, oh, yeah. yeah, I would love to. What's your address? You email them again saying, here's my address. They go email you back. Do you have a freight forwarder? Do you want to use our service? And then you've already wasted four days right there. Mm-hmm. So you're, time- you're more lean and agile. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, time is money. So it's like by the time you're thinking about ordering your first sample, I've already tested the product on Amazon and know it sells. Gotcha. Okay. Now, AliExpress, you can't differentiate stuff on AliExpress. How do you sort of, you know, um, sort of meet up to your second rule, which is, you know, telling the customers why to buy by differentiating yourself with, you know, a mass market um, platform like AliExpress, you know, it, do you see what I mean? Um, yeah, no, I, I I get what you're saying. It's um, it just there's still stuff out there that just people aren't doing. Where you'll look at like gardening tools, and they all have like wooden handles, and then you'll see one that has a metal handle on AliExpress, and you look around on Amazon, you won't see one with a metal handle on AliExpress on mm-hmm. Amazon yet, and you go, oh, well, someone hasn't taken care of that niche yet, and so it's basically it just comes down to finding inefficiencies in the market and like capitalizing on them. Gotcha, gotcha. And uh, I suppose it's, it's, it's time again. Uh, there, there are no special tools to, to help you sort of filter through Ali, AliExpress and you know um, figure out if, if it's not on Amazon. I guess you have two windows open and you double check side by side. Yep, exactly. I have a okay. dual monitor set up. Yeah, and I just have one window open to AliExpress slash Alibaba, another one open up to Amazon and just constantly comparing between the two. Oh, okay, okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. Okay. Um, right. Um, do you, I'm, I'm going to track back to, to an article I read um, about you on Web Retailer, and um, it was talking about like replenishment alerts. Um, how... Given how do you set up replenishment alerts um, in the sense that um, you know you never want to run out of inventory. Stuff is you know Christmas is coming well ahead, and the, the worst time to to, to to run out of inventory is the first week of December. You know first or second week of December. How do you sort of manage inventory on on Amazon the right way from you know from from your experience? Um. 
Well, it, it obviously gets a lot easier with time. The more like historical sales data you have, mm-hmm. the more predictable it is. You can kind of see, even if you're slowly growing, say your sales are going up 10% a month, as long as it's kind of consistent, makes it a lot easier. But um, it's basically where you just take the number of units you sell per day times the number of days it takes from you ordering it to getting in stock at Amazon. So say that's 60 days mm-hmm. if you're ordering VSC. So say you sell five units a day, it takes 60 days. So I would set the replenishment alert quantity would be at around 300 okay. because then you know once you get down to 300, you have 60 days worth of inventory left. Mm-hmm. And so to give myself an extra buffer, I would set it at maybe 350, 400. Okay. Um, so just to make sure it's like, okay, I'm about to, uh, I'm supposed to order because it's 60 days have passed. Look at it. Oh, I have about 75 units in stock. When my new units come back in stock, it's like, that's kind of a perfect ratio to make okay. sure you just never run out. Gotcha. Gotcha. I suppose you two, three exit when um, the holidays are, you know, are coming. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You just, you just increase it over time and you, if best case scenario is you sold last holiday season and kind of know what the volume's going to be. Okay. 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 Um, do you have any so any tips for us um, with regards to the lean applying the lean startup mentality um, to to selling on on Amazon? And I know you talked a lot about it with regards to the the AliExpress and just testing stuff and training things out, testing the market, um, just pretty much um, you know experimenting really quite quick finding your, your mistakes and then learning from it and iterating. But um, do, do you have, could you share, do, do you have any other tips on how to apply the lean startup mentality to, to an Amazon business? Yeah, another, um, I just gave a presentation actually on how okay. lean startup applies to Amazon. Oh, but okay. Um, uh, okay, another tip would be that do not try to overcomplicate things and confuse things right off the bat with your supplier. You may have all these grand ideas with your product saying, okay, I want to have this logo. I want them to label it this way. I want the packaging to look like this. I want to make sure that they fix this part because this part usually breaks. And so I want to make sure this is extra strong. And they try to do seven things on their first product when they go to launch it. Mm-hmm. And it just takes a lot of time. It's a lot of headaches, and it just becomes confusing trying to communicate that between you and your supplier. Mm-hmm. And so the lean startup technique is to just get it out there as fast as possible, see what the feedback is, and then slowly make pivots and tweaks over time. Okay. And so um, one of our products, it's like the first time I got, I get it from AliExpress, it has no logo on it, and then the second time I order it from Alibaba, it has a logo on it, and then the third time I get packaging with the logo on it, mm-hmm. and then the fourth time now I got it so they're gonna label it correctly and polybag it and send it directly from their um their warehouse to Amazon opposed to their warehouse to a pre fulfillment center first to Amazon kind mm-hmm. of thing. And it's like, it over time. Sorry. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And you slowly build trust with them going, okay, yeah, they figured out this step. Everything looks good. Okay, now can you guys do this? Can you do that? And especially too, something I see with like um, people who are just starting out selling, mm-hmm. it's just a mistake where I feel like they just kind of piss suppliers off where they'll go, okay, I want a minimum order quantity of 100 units and can you make them all custom and perfect for me? And it's like, all, all you're going to do is just lose a good supplier and a good relationship there where if you slowly build your um, your orders over time and every time you ask for them to do something new for you, you at least like double your order. It kind of makes them a little bit happier and makes them a happier um, relationship between the two of you. Gotcha. Gotcha. It's, 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 it's kind of like updating software or you know, updates in a car. 
it, it, they just keep changing, you know, over time. And I really mm-hmm. love what you said with regards to the plain packaging. If that sells, definitely something better would sell. So you slap your logo, you know, on it. And if that sells, you you work on the packaging, you know. And it just makes sense, you know, iterating. And I love uh, the the um, what you just said with regards to um, fulfillment, you know, um, rather than sending it to um, third party fulfillment, you know, center. Eventually, you start that up with that, and then eventually, once you've perfected the process, you you, you get them to ship direct to to, to an FBA unit. So. Good stuff there. Good stuff. Well, and too, it's um with like the tweaks over time. It's just for me at least, it's, it seems like it's very obvious sometimes mm-hmm. when when and when not you are adding perceived value. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I have a fashion product, and I was just talking to my supplier when I was over in China, and we can get them in a super nice wooden box mm-hmm. each one of our fashion items for an extra two bucks a unit. Okay. And it's like, well, who delivers their fashion stuff in like a wooden box? It's like mm-hmm. that would make our product look maybe ten to thirty dollars more expensive and mm-hmm. fancier. But it, it's only going to cost me two dollars extra a unit. Well, mm-hmm. that sounds like a great upgrade. Let's move forward with that one. If I'm going to do something where I'm going to spend five thousand dollars having the designer do fancy packaging, mm-hmm. it's like uh, I don't know if that's really going to add five thousand dollars worth of perceived value. So mm-hmm. it's just, that's what it really comes down to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I absolutely agree with that. that the unboxing um, experience is so important. I mean, you think about it. Um, you think about Apple, and you think about um, Beats by by Dre. You know, yep. the, and you just think about the packaging. We, 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 the packaging is so good that you know we keep the packaging. You know, sometimes you know. Yeah, I just I just got the new iPhone um, yeah. a couple of weeks ago, and I was cleaning up my room, and I I literally had to sit there for forty five seconds debating on if I was going to throw the box <laughs> at or not, and then I ended up keeping it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're so beautiful. They're so beautiful, and that just probably you know um, just justifies the, the amount we spend on, on Apple products. Yeah. Well, yeah, you, you look at their their um, profit and loss statement at the end of the year. It's like did Amazon? I mean, did uh, Apple really spend too much money on packaging? I really doubt it. No, 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 no. Okay, right. Um, uh, that's really good with regards to to lean startups and um, you know proof, the proof of concept. You know those tests that they're really important. Okay, what about um, serve? Are there any? I know you mentioned the fact that um, you know there, there are no rules and stuff like that. But what if? Do, do you have other areas or niches or you know um, categories within Amazon that you would not go for? Take for instance furniture. Um, you know, are you going to? Bring a container full of um, sofas, for instance, to, to the United States um, on FBA. Well, I don't think you can do that on FBA anyway. But you know, are there sort of no-go areas um, for you? And um, do um, you have do you, do you specialize in specific categories? No, I I would honestly I would source couches if I found a good deal on them. If I found that someone was selling them for a thousand bucks on Amazon, I can get it for two hundred. It's worth the price because it's nice when you sell maybe one unit a day, but each unit makes you three hundred bucks. It's a pretty mm-hmm. sweet product that's making you ninety grand a year. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a uh, so that's something I actually would do. I the stuff I stay away from is um, basically a lot of the stuff like the different courses try to sell. Um, get you to sell because it's um, kind of simpler stuff. So anything that's like a kitchen accessory, anything that's a pet accessory, anything that's a workout accessory, I just stay away from because those are just so oversaturated. Mm. And then from there, anything with just like heavy electronics, I usually try to stay away from because it's just going to be a pain in the butt later on. So like a private label tablet or something like that would just mm-hmm. be like my worst nightmare. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Um, what about electronics in, in general? Would you would you go for electronics? Um, given the warranty and you know how things can you know, actually break you know, in, in electronics. Yeah, it's for me the kind of rule of thumb is like I don't like to do much more electronics than like an on and off switch. Okay, right. So headphones should be. Yeah, so something like that. But it's like every once in a while you'll see someone's like, oh, that's not bad. It's like that looks like it has an on and off switch. And then like the on and off switch is built into like an LED screen on it. It's like, oh, I don't want to deal with an LED screen. Like what if I get them here and all the like instructions are in Chinese or something like that? You know, it's just like all these weird or like I've heard of people getting electronics and they like didn't ask. And like they came with um, like Chinese outlets instead of U.S. outlets for power. And so, like, just dumb stuff like that. It's like, oh, that'd just be so annoying. It's like, I'd rather sell like my granite drink coasters that nothing can go wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I suppose for some Amazon businesses, uh, multi-million Amazon businesses, I'm I'm aware of, um, they have one partner or one buyer um, in in China, basically, and that person is (laughs) with you know the the. The container, you know, the moment it leaves the scene, every single thing is to spec. You know, you can't just leave it to, to third parties, if that makes sense. And those those guys sell electronics. Okay, um, let's let's um, let's talk about um, how you know. Um, I know you talked about the fact that um, you know um, you don't really need much to start a business. You know, uh, you know, um, an Amazon business. But okay, what if my target realistically was to build a seven-figure Amazon business within a reasonable you know, period of time? How much capital would you suggest we you know, is invested in, in the company today? Um, given applying the lean methodology and you know the lean mindset um, to to the business. So if, um, for instance, a business wants to be seven figures in the next fifteen or you know. Twenty-four months, right? In the next one to two years. You know how, how you know how much should they invest into Amazon um, today? Um, well, it's kind of thing for sure, which is kind of a cop out of an answer. But um, mm-hmm. the more capital you have, obviously, the faster you can do it. Mm-hmm. If you had if you had a million dollars in capital right now, yeah. you could do a million dollars in revenue within the next like three months. Yeah, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so, just think of it the way like a uh, way to think of it in a kind of conservative mode would say you're doing a 20% margin after everything. Mm-hmm. You reinvest every dollar and then um, imagine you're flipping your inventory every 90 days, all of it. Mm-hmm. And so say you start with $200,000, you go and sell that, you get whatever, $240,000 back in the next three months, and then you do compounding next three months, you do that $240,000 again, that makes you an extra $48,000, so now you're at two sixty, dollars and you're six months in kind of thing, and you could keep compounding it, so it's like maybe take you, uh, maybe, yeah, exactly, if you start with like, say, like $300,000, you could be doing a million dollars a year easily by uh, like 24 months in. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Looking at a 90, 90 day, um, you know, flip period. Okay, okay, that makes sense. Makes sense. Okay, right. Um, let's talk about tools. Um, I know you're not into <laughs> training and you know what gurus speak, so to speak. Um, but um, what tools would you, you do, do? You run? Do you use to run your Amazon, you know, business? Um, excuse me. Um, so. I use 
zero for accounting. Okay. And then that's in a conjunction with a software called Stitch Labs. Yeah, I know Stitch Labs, yeah. And so Stitch Labs, and that kind of does our accounting and inventory management and all that kind of stuff. And then from there, um, we currently I have a meeting with someone um, to set up our feedback software. We're running like some, uh, like I think feedback five or something like that right now, but we're getting away from them and we're going to go to a more robust system um, now that we got some traction. And so we're like the automatic feedback software is pretty legit. Um, then from there, no other real software. Um, we just need our accounting, our inventory, and to make sure that we're contacting customers to get reviews and that kind of thing. But besides that, I don't use any um, software to do product research or anything like that. Wow. wow. That's, that's mean. That's quite impressive. Okay. Um, right. So you run, you run um, uh, a website called FBA Experts. And you also run a, a mastermind. Could you shed some more light on um, both of them, please? Yeah. Um, well, every expert is um, its kind of a sorry excuse for a blog. It doesn't have that many posts. But it's mostly just there as kind of an SEO placeholder. So when people are looking for FBA experts, Amazon experts, Amazon consultants, and Google, I show up. So that's kind of it's just a lead generation type thing for consulting jobs. Mm -hmm. But uh, the mastermind is it's uh, $20 a month, and it's majority of people are doing at least $10,000 a month in sales. Okay. And it's a, just a great community of um, people who are like serious and like taking doing Amazon like full time and actually like not asking a bunch of beginner questions and asking more strategy based questions. Okay. And, and do you, is it run, do, do you do like a week, weekly, do you want a weekly meeting or a weekly? No, it's more of a, it's more of a private forum than a mastermind okay. actually. It's fbamastermind.com, but it's more of a private forum okay. where, um, yeah, people um, can kind of just talk and discuss within there a little bit more privately. But um, okay. we just launched, actually, my brother and I and my business partner just launched uh, amzhelp.com, where it's going to be a kind of like consulting service where you get unlimited email support for a flat rate, monthly rate, okay. because it's, uh, it's the kind of thing where I'm just lately been just getting flooded with emails and so I need a better way to organize them and like help people out in a more kind of organized systemized way. Okay, that makes sense that makes sense. I, I'll link to both um, sites from, from our show notes Okay um, my, uh, just um, off the grid here, what, what are your um, thoughts on Amazon um, um, in the future um, do, you, do, do you think you know, um, people would prefer to sort of do you think Amazon would be kind of like a shop front for manufacturers rather than you know um, middlemen? Um, what are your thoughts on Alibaba um, coming to the states directly? Because I, one of our guests um, actually said, I don't know whether it's true or not, that um, um, Alibaba is building out um, warehouses all over the states. Um, so just I just want to know your thoughts and um, what you think um, the future of Amazon has um, stake for us. Well, yeah, I've talked to people over um, 
from different sourcing companies over in China and Amazon sourcing more and more themselves too and private labeling themselves. Mm-hmm. And also Amazon just starting from the top of the list, working down with Amazon sellers and um, different brands sourcing and selling everything themselves. So I think maybe like seven, 10 years from now, Amazon just sells everything themselves. Mm-hmm. They, um, the strategy was to get as many sellers as possible on Amazon and make it as easy as possible for them to get on Amazon mm-hmm. so they could have every SKU possible and not have to pay for the inventory of it. And then now that they have all the SKUs in the world on Amazon, they can just use their like sales data that they have and no one else has to just source the top selling stuff with the highest margins. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I could see someone like Alibaba coming in here, but honestly, from I was just over in China for a month. I'm not worried about them. They can't market worth anything. They it's just embarrassing. Everyone sells the same junk. Everyone just copies each other. No one has an original idea. And so it's like, yeah, you so one person's gonna come out with a semi decent product and then it's gonna be within a year, everyone's going to make it in China for 10% of the price. And so those are just the kind of things I just wouldn't compete with and I just don't worry about because um, I sell stuff that's kind of a little bit more like trendier, a little bit more hipster, a little bit more cutting edge kind of stuff. And um, it just really comes down to is the future is for all Amazon sellers is eventually you're going to have to design and make your own product, not just private label and throw your brand name on it. You're going to have to actually make something from scratch and make a proprietary product that you're going to sell because that's the only way you're going to be able to protect yourself against other Amazon sellers and against Alibaba coming in and just like cutthroat prices is that you're going to have to actually build your own brand and build your own product from scratch. And then that way you're going to have real protection and real barriers to entry. Mm-hmm. Which is the ethos of crowdsourcing, crowdfunding, sorry, you kick starter indiegogo yep. and the rest of them it's a very very interesting perspective okay um yeah um is there anything i haven't sort of covered um well do you, is there anything you want to say around um to our audience quite keen to learn more about fba um and amazon you know selling that we haven't covered yet um nope not really uh yeah tweet me at wtjern um, if you guys have any other Amazon questions, but besides that, no, I think we covered most everything. Okay. Um, what are your plans? What, what, what are your future plans? Um, now that you're on your own with a co-founder, you're, you're doing very decent, you know, um, monthly, um, what's it called? Turnover from, from Amazon. Um, what, what, what are your plans? Well, um, maybe do a Kickstarter in the future and see how that goes. Mm-hmm. But besides that, um, I honestly, I have no, um, I have no like preference to Amazon. Mm-hmm. I have no like feelings towards Amazon or anything. I'm just going where the money's at. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just going to constantly keep my eyes open for what's the next big thing and then try to get there before everyone else. Good stuff. Good stuff. Okay. I'm just going to give you, throw you a curveball um, question here. Um, what has been your best mistake to date? And what I mean basically is a setback that's giving you the biggest feedback. So kind of like a lean kind of um you know um learning more or less um that's a good question it's it's hard for me to answer because like if you look at it as a whole mm-hmm. i've had like in my business short business life i've had nothing major bad happen to me and i've never had any like trips or falls and it's more a collection of like a million little things wrong happening to me every day that I'm just slowly working towards. Mm -hmm. And so the main thing I can pull away from it is that um, just like 
nothing is the end of the world. You're going to live. And so I deal with these people all the time where it's like something goes wrong where, hey, my supplier says I don't have the wrong paperwork. Like, what do, what do I do? Blah, 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 blah. Like, I don't know what to do. And it's the kind of thing where I've had the wrong supplier, have the wrong paperwork 75 times now in my life. Whoa. And so it's like, okay, well, I don't know. You just start working and fix it, fix it, and fix it, figure out the problem and fix it kind of thing. It's, there's yeah. nothing more you can say. And so it's like what I've really learned after all my mistakes is, and like they're all just like little micro mistakes, is be as clear as possible with your Chinese supplier and don't let the little stuff stress you out because you're going to just be stressed out constantly because there's constantly going to be little problems going wrong with your business. Mm-hmm. And the key is just to kind of figure out which ones are actually serious and which ones you shouldn't worry about. Okay, so that's a very, very, very good point on that clarity because, you know, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's a physical product. Imagine if they cop up on a typo and, and your packaging or your bread and they produce a thousand or three thousand of it. How do you manage that? You know, I mean, it's. Uh, that line itself is, is really important. So clarity is important. And another point I just took from there was um, from what you just said was um, the, the fact that um, you've made micro mistakes. So you've not really done anything huge. That's not to say you've not made any, you've not had any accomplishments, but you've just, you know, taken small steps and, you know, those mistakes haven't been, the, the ramifications of stuff going wrong, you know, um, has been minimal, so you've been minimizing your risk, mitigating your risk. Which, um, yeah, I don't know if you read. Um, there's, a, there's a chap, there's a philosopher called, um, is it a philosopher or is a thinker called um, Talim? Um, can't quite remember his full name now, boy. Nassim. Nassim, yeah, the black swan effect. Um, and he was just talking about small mistakes rather than you know going for a really big bang um, mistake. Okay, right. Um, yeah. So let's see. Um, so what would be your parting piece of advice to e-tailers keen on rapidly growing or getting into um, Amazon? Um, don't do too much research. Don't do too much reading. You're just going to stress yourself out and think about a bunch of problems before they even happen to you. Just pull the trigger and um, learn by experience. Good stuff, good stuff. And, and would you recommend any books or resources that have um, had the highest impact on, on building your business? Um, not really, honestly. No, it just It's one of those things where, again, it's just uh, a collection of me trying to listen to every podcast I can, read every book I can, and it all kind of just adds up to one big hole. There's not really anything that's like really been earth-shattering for me. What are your two favorite podcasts you listen to? You don't, um, you don't have to mention mine. <laughs> <laughs> I really like the uh, Tropical MBA podcast. Right, okay. It's very um, just kind of just normal business advice. It's not like super flashy or anything like that. And I also like um, <clears throat> This Week in Startups. Okay. It just it's, it has nothing to do with Amazon, but it's just nice to constantly have they have like the newest and coolest startups constantly on there. And it just kind of keeps me in the loop and know where the world's kind of going. Gotcha. As, a, as a trend. Two good choices. One's more futuristic. Well, one is more in the now and the other is very practical in business. Okay. Right. Finally, I know you did mention your, your Twitter handle. Um, you know, for, for listeners who would want to reach out to you and, you know, find out more about, you know, what you do, what is the best way to, to, to reach out to you? 
Yeah, you can tweet me, um, WTJERN is my Twitter, or you can just email me. It's my full name, William Churnland at gmail.com. If you guys have any questions, let me know. Okay, I will you know, link to, to, to all that on the show notes. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show, Will. Thank you for sharing your insights on Amazon, and you know, best of luck going forward, and well done on your progress so far, on your successes so far. Cheers. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Thank you to Access for sticking to the very end of today's episode and I hope you found Will's story about Amazon from a lean startup methodology helpful and inspiring. Um, to download the show notes and to read the full transcript, head over to 2xecommerce.com about a week from when you, when this is released. And um, yeah, as I said earlier in the show, um, I'm thinking about setting up a Facebook group if you think it's a good idea, hook me up on Twitter. Just you know, just say good idea. Give me a thumbs up and say that would be a fantastic idea to connect to other two Xs, other enthusiasts in in e-commerce in in general. Um, just give me a thumbs up on on, on Twitter. My handle on Twitter is Kunle T Campbell. That's just K U N L E T C A M P B L L. I know it's a mouthful, but it's Kunle Campbell. Just search for me on, on Google Kunle Campbell, and my Twitter um, will be number one or two. Um, just hook me up on um, Twitter. Give me a shout out. Tell me it'd be a good idea. You know, I'll be open to more ideas anyway. Um, <clears throat> I would have. I I would love to hear from you guys. Um, also, be sure to sign up to the email alert list up on um, 2xecommerce.com. So, you know, anytime shows come out or um, there are any webinars, you'd be first to hear, basically. And, um, you know, you'd get guides and tips and, you know, stuff like I write on, on the Internet and just interesting stuff in regards to growing your store because that's most important to me. I mean, to, till the next show, um, have a fantastic one and, you know, have a terrific week. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of 2X e-commerce. To help you get more actionable insights and e-commerce growth hacks that will help you 2X your online retail business, hop over to 2xecommerce.com. It's a blog dedicated to e-commerce and multi-channel marketing. Run by the show's host, Kuhn Lay Campbell. 2xecommerce.com is packed full of articles and guides to help increase traffic to your store, increase repeat purchases, and average order value. Thanks for listening. Visit 2xecommerce.com. <laughs>